Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes with way different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the love that comes with. We're your hosts, I'm P.S. McKay, coming to you after getting my third jab in the arm, and it wasn't even a COVID shot, I don't know what it was. And I'm D.T. Cadman, and I'm knife-handing my way through the <laughs> Maybe we'll put that on the... Maybe we'll put that on the website as like a little behind the scenes thing. Best way to take start. down your own Christmas tree <laughs> is with a well placed knife hand. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it was good enough for Mad Dog. It was good enough for me. Oh my goodness, that's right. As opposed to the open, the corporate version of the open palm. <laughs> would you no, like no, no, to? No. Would you like to speak, no, sir, ma'am? That, that wrist needs to rotate about 45 degrees. 45 degrees in line with strict 90 else. degree angle, <laughs> perpendicular to the horizon of the Earth. So <laughs> all four digits pointed straight at your foe's heart. Yeah. What that's do you do with the it. thumb? The thumb. The thumb guides its own way. <laughs> well, the thumb is. It's just the sight. Yes, that's, that's right. That's what I meant. I, that's what I meant to do. Ah, oh, God damn it. This is going to be one of those nights. I can already tell. Um, well, we better hurry up. I'm halfway through my beer. No, Otherwise, I'm going to have to get more. Yeah, you'll have to get more. That's all I got to say about that. Um, all right. DT, how things going? You're going to be, um, you're, you're, you're wrapping up some introductory uh, training right now with work. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be heading home for the holidays with the family. And that could be a whole movie in and of itself. You doing all right? Yes, I'm doing fine. I'm getting ready to strap up, ruck up, and get ready. <laughs> and I'll be ready to uh, do a night insertion prior to Christmas. Night insertion. in the heart of family territory. That could be taken so many different ways. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Fine. I will be conducting a combat jump <laughs> yeah, into combat. the North Pole for Christmas. Oh god. You know, we just saw we just watched rewatched the Santa Claus. Uh, my my young child watched it for the first time today. Really? Did she? That's some good timing there. Genuinely. It is. What'd she think of it? She said, <laughs> which i'm sure anybody who's actually uh fans of ours are probably similar in age to us to start with yeah and uh they may get that but uh, they'll get that tim allen pre toy story pre uh last man standing home time baby oh yeah yeah Oh yeah, that's a good show. Tim Allen always reminded me of my dad. <laughs> Why? Like, because he thought he was better with tools than he really was. Oh, absolutely. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. Like when we first moved into our new house, he was downstairs trying to. I don't know why he was in the wiring that was just done, but he was in the basement trying to work on some of the wire. Maybe he was installing. Oh, he was installing a dimmer switch. That's what he was doing. That's all he was doing. He was installing a dimmer switch. And the man refused to turn off the electricity 
from, from, from the, the switch box. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? And I'm standing there. I'm like, Dad, you're gonna, you're not going to do this right. And he's like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And then flash, boom! Pliers go across the room. Like a room goes dark. And I just turn on the flashlight that I had. And I'm like, are you satisfied now? <laughs> As it turns out, he burnt out the dimmer switch. So even though you installed the dimmer switch, it was so damaged from the overflow. It didn't work anyway. It was just on and off. <laughs> and he never went back to change it. So <laughs> Too much white. Oh, yeah, too much, too much. But I was going to say that um, Santa Claus, delightful movie for children. We we watched it uh, the other day. I was so, always a bit disturbed about their use of Vulcan children slave labor. Well, <clears throat> you could say that they were just diminutive Vulcans, not children. Yeah. Probably so Romulans, at least the ones doing the hit squad. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. This is, uh, yeah. Which, uh, which leads me to my next question. Do Romulans celebrate Christmas? Do, oh, oh, okay. I heard you say two, as in the number two Romulans celebrate Christmas, and I'm waiting for the punchline. Well, I'm so. sure probably the two that hang out on Picard's uh, vineyard probably do. They probably do, yeah. But no, do Romulans celebrate Christmas? Uh, I, you already answered it, the ones that I ruined. Uh, the, the ones that help out Picard on his vineyard in Le Bar, France. So. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps not. I mean. We all know they're ancient Romans. With pointy ears. Yes. Yes. So, okay. All Romulan right. Catholic, anybody? Romulan Catholic. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> You're not far yes. off either. That's the kicker. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yes. Thank you, Mel Brooks. All right. So this whole episode was meant as like a kind of send off till the new year we're probably not going to be recording until january um so this is the final episode of the year which thank you everyone who's been listening we truly appreciate it um yes thank you very much to the two people who've been listening very much appreciate it well it was my mom only my mom so <laughs> but no actually we got quite a few views i gotta double check how to figure that out again but um as a send-off, and keeping with the spirit of the season, we wanted to talk about religion slash Christmas. Holidays. In, more holidays, holidays in science fiction. <clears throat> so, as we all know, there's been, like, I mean, there are major franchises that have good excuses to not have Christmas or holidays involved. And then there are other not lesser, but other franchises that maybe not as prolific, but openly dive into the whole religion slash holiday situation. Babylon 5 comes to mind. Babylon 5 was 
had a lot of religious undertones. Many. And human religious undertones. Yes, like, as well. Uh, you know, basically it was religion had rela- remained relatively unchanged from modern day. As far as we could tell. Right. But Franklin was actually. Oh, he was some new religion that had only been around about 100 years. Oh, I vaguely was, remember this conversation. Yeah, yes, because of it, a new religion had sprung up based on after human humanity's uh, first encounter with um, the Centauri, right? But aliens in general. Yep. Um, so that, that there was that, and amongst other things like the techno mages, in some ways, were were a religion in and of themselves. That's true. Very fascinating. Uh, so much more potential they had. Um, really enjoyed the techno mages. I thought they were fascinating. <laughs> of course, they also had the monks who uh, lived on the station for a while and were helping because they were like very technologically savvy. And so they had, uh, what was it, Brother Theo and his monks? Yep. Who, uh, you know, helped out around the station. There was even one episode. It also happened to be the episode where Londo gets his revenge on Lord Rifa at the same time as that there's this big revival in Babylon 5 with, you know, various members of the human and alien cast, you know, singing a church hymn with all these different religious leaders from, from Earth and and others, of course, Jakar became a religious icon for his people. Oh, yeah. The Centauri had hundreds of gods, according to Wanda. By the gods, yep. Valen was pretty much a religious icon to the, Centauri, uh, to the Minbari. And, of course, both the Shadows and the Vorlons were... Basically gods. Gods. And, of course, <laughs> what was the form... That uh, the Vorlons took when, you know, we humans, all these other aliens saw like some sort of religious figure. They looked like angels to humans, but all these other aliens saw something from their own mythology or maybe started parts of their own history in, in religion and mythology. Babylon 5 was very rich with religion. I love that. I love hearing that because I didn't know that, actually. What? Because I haven't watched enough Babylon 5 to know that. In but I season... like that concept. I love I love that concept. Well, because they were one of the first ones. Mm-hmm. And they visited all these other planets. But outside their encounter suits, they looked... They, they had, like, this heavenly glow. So they became part of the religious pantheon for many species. Mm-hmm. They looked like angels to the humans. But they had different forms for other other races. Right. Which that that in and of itself requires a whole season of explanation because holy cow, that is which, which you which you never get because the Vorlons never tell you <laughs> the whole truth. Which is <laughs> a running line throughout the entire series. Right. 
which you know a cop out with the writers, but also to keep it mysterious. So yeah. I, I'll I'll give it a pass. <laughs> well, there was a fascinating episode of the Lost Tales. That was the last true Babylon Five production in two thousand. Lost Tales. Yes, it was it was intended to be an anthology series. They only produced two episodes. It was um, takes place something like ten years after the founding of the uh, Interstellar Alliance. One of the stories is Sheridan is a, is has rendezvoused with uh, the one of the heirs to the Centauri throne. He's actually. I think he's Cartage's father, who has this strong, or uh, Cartage's son, who has this strong hatred of Veer, because Veer killed Cartage, the mad emperor of Centauri. Veer. Veer. Yeah, maybe it's a little lighter. Maybe it's, needless to say, it's, it's near some anniversary, and Galen comes to Sheridan and basically tells him that this kid will launch an all-out devastating attack on Earth so and start wars that will kill millions. And he encourages Sheridan to kill this kid before he happens. And, of course, you get Galen, the techno-mage, who's fantastic. Um, and then Sheridan has to wrestle whether or not he... He thinks he can. He should either mentor this kid or kill this kid. <clears throat> so that was a neat one, but the se- the the other part of it was a very fascinating part. It stars Lockley, and she's like the only. Which one was she? She was Ivanova's replacement. Oh my God! Was she blonde? She was a brunette. Oh damn it! Uh, this so this was season five. Then. <laughs> this is season five. Yeah, she was actually pretty good. She and she also had a recurring role on Crusade. Right. All right. Which I started to watch, but then they kept changing up the schedule, and I couldn't follow it. Yeah, I know. It was much easier when you got it on DVD. <laughs> but she actually calls a Catholic priest to come out to the station because. They have a a worker there who seems to be demonically possessed. And oh. so have a Roman Catholic priest who's there about to perform an exorcism. It's very fascinating. Okay, okay. Lockley was played by Tracy Scroggins, who Scoggins. Come on. <laughs> Scoggins, sorry. Scroggins. She played Cat in um, Lewis and Clark, The Adventures of Superman. Lois? Lois and Clark, yeah, I said Lois and Clark. I'm the one drinking. Yeah, no, I'm drinking too. Good. <laughs> I should have lied, but I couldn't. Oh, did she play Cat Grant? <laughs> yeah, she played Cat Grant in, in The Adventures of Lois, well, Adventures of Superman, Lois and Clark, yeah. Interesting. 
Yeah, and then she was also Galora Rajal in Deep Space Nine. Do you know who that was? Yeah, she was one. Of, it was like I think like a was she one of the Cardassians. The three Cardassian. Yes, she was the one that was hitting on O'Brien because she thought O'Brien was hitting on her. Yeah, maybe they were so they were anti- and She was antagonizing him, and he was mad at her for being a Cardassian. <laughs> well, she's Basically. antagonizing him and riling up yeah. his Irish temper. Yeah, that's the problem. You can't. That is a true misunderstanding of cultures, right there. <laughs> right. Uh, it's it. Yeah. Um, she's a beautiful woman. Yeah. I'll grant her that. Um, Dead air. But. And yeah, so uh, it's a very fascinating look at it, and of course, you know, JMS had wanted to do multiple. Yep. Do multiple, <laughs> multiple, uh, first, you know, multiple anthology, you know, stories. Yeah, I guess they'd written several, but then they just kept losing cast members. Ugh. Really? Well, I mean, I know the curse of D- uh, Babylon Five, but well, by the time they started doing it, um, Andreas Casas and Stephen, uh, and uh, Richard Biggs had already passed. Yep. Which were two huge members of the of the the main cast, mm-hmm. and now we've lost, you know, honestly most of the main cast. Uh, most of, I mean, there, I mean, we lost the Len, we lost Stephen first. Yeah, we lost Beer. We lost, beer. Uh, we, we lost uh, Andreas Katsulis Beer, and we. Did we lose? Did we lose Peter Jurassic? No, we didn't lose no. Peter Jurassic yet. Oh, he and Bruce Boxleitner are still kicking around. I mean, Bruce, most of that by cast the way, is gone. Holy shit! Great news, sci-fi news though. Tangently, Bruce Boxleitner is going to be guest starring as the president of the union on the Orville. Yes, year. I saw that, and he was in full alien makeup in Entertainment Weekly. Oh, man. I'm so excited for that show to come back. Welcome back, Bruce. <laughs> Let me tell you. Truly underrated. Now, Babylon 5, there's been a lot of love done on the internet and, and, and on YouTube and, and many other uh, you know podcasts done about just how truly great B5 is. And it really was. But, you know, when you stack up, like, your, your sci-fi icons and you have Picard and Kirk and Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. And then you start getting into what other icons are there from other franchises. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe Adama from Battlestar, right? Yeah. Because he was straight badass, right? Oh, he was great. <clears throat> but I would hold John Sheridan, played by Bruce Boxleitner, right up there with him. <clears throat> I would agree with that. Um, you know, and also uh, MacGyver on Stargate, <clears throat> pretty good. <laughs> you shit. I can't. I can't recall his name. He played MacGyver. Jack O'Neill. He didn't play. I mean, yes, he Richard played MacGyver. Dean Richard Dean Anderson. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, you're all right there. But let's get back on target. And so we feel Babylon Five. <laughs> did a fantastic job of representing religion and holidays in a well, futuristic contents. 
right. context. And the end of season one of B5. It was New Year's. It was a New Year's party. Right. right. But Ivanova, who's Jewish, was also, or at least of Jewish descent, was lighting menorah, I believe. Is there a situation where Hanukkah over overrides with New Year's? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know I, either. I thought, I thought she was. And uh, it's been a while since I've watched that episode. There was oh, another but... one where she gave Sheridan the piece of the Black Star, which was, she called it a Christmas present. Mm. So, obviously, <laughs> Christmas is still celebrated. Yep. Hanukkah, too. Uh, others as well as uh, sure it can if, be implied, right? Then you have the self, you know, the this the created religions. Obviously, the whatever uh, religion that that Franklin was, right? And and we talked about that and everything. So right, but then you also have these, like the techno mages, really could have been uh, were like. They were. They were almost like a religion. They they almost they came off the they were introduced as almost magicians though first, right? Yeah, and by yeah. the way, the first big techno mage we meet is uh played by the great Michael Ansara. <laughs> played <laughs> Kang in numerous iterations of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. That just ugh. <laughs> clenched gravelly voice Kang um, so and yes and I love the idea that a new religion would spawn based off of old religions after the alien contact happened with earth and its culture and everything that probably is the most loyal because they still used money and there was still you know capitalism yes. so to speak um, and there was no intention of getting rid of that system. Mm -hmm. Um, so I I feel that that's probably the most loyal representation of where humanity would be in two hundred, three hundred years, right? Yeah, that took place around three hundred years from now, four hundred years, something like that. So well, it, it yeah. And we can talk about Star Wars, which also has its own religions. We know that. Life Day. <laughs> well, Life Day has the holiday, but many see the Jedi and the Sith as religions. As religions, too. And and, and that is a good they're excuse. They're even referred to as such. Right. And that's a good excuse because the humans there are still aliens compared to what we are. Technically. Right? Even though, okay, get tell me this. What are humans called in the Star Wars universe? Humans. They are called humans. They're called humans, but as you see in many other iterations in sci-fi, we get the nickname Terrans from Terra. Right. And I love that term. I love I love I love the idea of being called a Terran. <laughs> and the first huh. instance that I heard of that term was Exosquad. Yes. And I, I can I can't find any earlier term uh, of 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 that being used other than Exo Squad in 1994. 
That's weird, right? Perhaps. Um, obviously, the Terran Empire in Deep Space Mirror Nine. Universe. Yep. Well, which call... brings me. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to. No, no, no. Now we're gonna go down the the, the Terran rabbit hole there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we still kind of are. So here's the question. And we, we tapped on it a little bit in the previous episode. What is with Star Trek's phobia towards religion in human culture? Because they're not afraid to show it in alien cultures, obviously. But what do you think the explanation is in human culture? Well, I believe I've heard Gene Roddenberry be referred to as a secular humanist. Okay. That's a fair answer. He seemed to be anti-religion. And I would say that, yes. And that seems to be where it was. Like, there was no... The only people who were religious at all in any of the first two series were aliens and in a lot of ways it it was almost seen as backwards yes backwards draconian like what the uh episode that the enterprise encounters a planet that worships a computer from the original series or the ones that oh hey this this old earth starship left behind uh in a piece of the action they leave behind a book on the mobs and it becomes this mob planet. Right. And then the, the, the history professor goes nuts and turns, you know, a planet into Nazi Germany, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think being, you know, you might even see, and I, I can't say this for sure, but you could almost see that religion can be seen by people as just another form of ideology. And well, it is. I mean, Gene that's Ron- all ideology. Theology. I, I understand that. But, I mean... <laughs> but, you know, Gene Ronberry, and I'm sure quite a few of the other early writers and whatnot, there, I'm sure there were probably plenty of World War II veterans in and around the sets of Star Trek. And You're maybe, right. You know, it was only 20 years later when they were putting this show on. So it would not surprise me if there were some who took a look at religion as just an extension of theology or a philosophy or ideology that could go bad. And of course, you saw all the fighting in the Middle East between the Arabs and the Israelis over religion. You know, there was the troubles, the troubles in Northern Ireland, Catholics and Protestants, Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, you, I, <laughs> there are many people who think that religion is, and Marx said that uh, religion was the opiate of the people, and there are many people who think that religion is behind some of the worst things in humanity, and there is some truth to that fact. And and I, if you talked to me five years ago, I would have said the same thing. But... 
and this is where this is where I, you know, this is where we're dealing with someone myself who has dealt with the ever ever evolving question of whether there's a god or not, right? And we probably shouldn't go too deeply into this, but no, but <laughs> but just from this science fiction perspective, from a science fiction standpoint, most in Star Trek, most of the religion is really be you know is being seen through aliens as a dogma, so, right, right, and in many ways, it's painted in a negative light, right. the The biggest exception to that, for the most part, has been the Bajoran culture. Which they showed uh, to be their, active aliens. Their faith, though, but their faith was one of the things that helped them get through this horrible period of time where right. they were oppressed and starved and worked to death and killed indiscriminately. And it's very fascinating. And in some ways, I think one of the reasons why Deep Space Nine is probably the most real of the uh, the Star Trek series. It all it, at least it always felt like that to me like there is religion and you know what there were problems within the religion like Kai Wynn oh, yeah. for every Vedic Varial who was trying to do his best for his people and re- and help them rebuild and with their faith there was Wynn who was scheming and using the religion just to gain more and more power Mm-hmm. And we got to see how Ducat used that against her. Oh yeah, our race, and of course now you get their whole angels and demons, heaven and hell thing between the, <laughs> the prophets and the pile race. But what it boils down to it, though, whether they're aliens or not, the 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 prophets and the pile race, but Joran faith is something very tangible and strong to them. They develop. They had a culture, and the creators of Deep Space Nine created a religion that came with it. But but it was based off of something that was tangible, the wormhole gods, or the wormhole aliens. Right, but still, and, <clears throat> the and, board, they, they didn't respond every time a Bajoran had, a, had something for them, though. I felt like that the Bajoran aliens actually were um, indifferent to the Bajoran people in most circumstances. Like, I, I have no idea what their motivation was to protect Bajor in the first place. Like, they, they did. They did by stopping the Dominion from coming through the wormhole. Eventually. 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 When Cisco said, hey, you you told me all those years ago. By the like, way, a non-Bajoran. Right. Who said, you, you said you're of Bajor. And that's Bajor's gonna go go to Shit's Creek if you let these guys come through the wormhole. Yeah, yeah, and and, and they're and, trying to get him. And he's like, "Bitch, please, this is what you told me." Right. So, but even then, so even then, and and Cisco never really took the Bajoran religion seriously until the very end. But even then, he looked upon it as like dealing with aliens. And and ambassadorial work, in a sense. So we see I'd the most. We see really the most religious. Got, yeah, we see the most religious episodes, uh, religious uh, series of Star Trek, be boiled down to it's just a bunch of aliens, and we need to figure out how to talk to them. 
but they generally didn't do a bad they didn't paint the Bajoran faithful in a negative light all the time. No. And that's true. You're right. Only when it served the purpose of making Bajorans better. Or Bajor better. Well, and we got to see Kira had a very strong faith. But she was also somebody who was an unrepentant killer. Terrorist. She was a terrorist. Really? And a freedom fighter. I mean, whatever you want to call her. But, I mean, she technically was both. Right. She was what each side thought her of her as. She was willing to ice her mom. She was willing to ice her mom as a collaborator. (laughs) You remember that episode? That was a hard episode. That was terrible to watch. Because it was just so true. You know, talking about both sides and what the collaborators dealt with versus what the freedom fighters felt that they, you know, were. It's a position I'd never want to be in. I mean, obviously, a position no one would want to be in, having to choose whether or not to prostitute yourself to try to help your family have a better life. Oh, I know. And being on the flip side, you know, fearing, well, you know, my mother's betraying our people. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I've killed, we've killed other collaborators. Mom's on the list. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's fascinating. And, you know, when we start talking about religion, I'm going to jump series within the franchise. But here's something that we, that I think Star Trek starts to split hairs with. Cultural philosophy. Look at the Vulcans in Enterprise. Mm-hmm. They were a little bit more militant. Well, the yes. High Command was more militant. They seemed to be a little bit more emotional. Uh, on the arrogant side, yeah. Or, yeah. or well, arrogant would be the right word, one of the right words. But right. there's a better word to be that could be used. Yeah. <clears throat> So there was, they had a, a, a very strong, and here's one of the things that Vulcans, they say they're emotional, but that, you know, they repress emotions, but they get really smug. Oh, yeah. They let smugness bleed through pretty easily. <laughs> you know, Spock, it was at least, particularly as he got older, was able to turn it more into a little bit of dry wit. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I damn it, Leonard Nimoy could just pull off a nice zinger just so well without <laughs> coming off as super smug the way some of these other Vulcans people playing Vulcans do. Like the guy who played was it Solak, the 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 captain of the Vulcan ship. Oh my god, yeah. arrogant prick. For the yeah, for from, from taking out to Hollow yeah, you take me just out want to put yeah. your hand through his face the whole episode. Oh, I wanted to, I wanted to break every bone in his Vulcan body. <laughs> and you know, Saval was Saval was kind of like that at the beginning too. Yes, but I love that as a supporting character, you got to see him. They at least gave him an arc. They did, and he got to see like T'Pol did. Got to see, particularly through Archer and the crew of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. 
And then by the very end, you know, by the middle and end of season four, particularly after the Vulcan arc and everything, you know, he was a strong supporter of Archer, which is yeah. great because Archer was kind of racist against Vulcans when he got it. Yeah, I, which, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Oh my god! <laughs> but you know, it's funny. A lot of racism you, in Star Trek, by the way. A lot. There is. <laughs> if you want to point out main characters who at least had admitted or overcame racism. Now you're gonna gonna have and gonna start off with the obvious with Worf. But that's almost—it's it, it, racism, but it's also warranted grudge against the Romulans. Yes, because of well, his family was murdered. His family was murdered. Yes, so I can't kid him. Or. Right. So that's not exactly—it's—it's it's still kind of it's still pretty racist, but yeah. there's at least something that. And, of course, the Klingons and the Romulans with their mutual hatred and, and contempt of each other was always enjoyable to watch. Um, Dukat you know, finally admits think, that he's racist against Bajorans. You would think, though, oh, my God, I'm going to ask a question that I don't know if we should go down. But you would think at that point you would have to redefine the term racism. because. It racism is in the current context is based off of different types of human beings versus whole different. Yeah, but that's real racism. This is more prejudice against because there's not separate races. Yeah. So actually what we're seeing in Star Trek is actual racism. (laughs) I don't even know. I don't even know what to say about that. (laughs) Like. I mean, it's bad. They 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 define it as bad. The whole federation right. is trying to fix that problem by bringing everyone together under but, some kind of umbrella. But well, let's look at people who serve <laughs> in Starfleet or in the federation. Main characters who have proven to be, if not racist, at least have some some Dr. prejudices. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely salty on Vulcans. <laughs> Okay, that's one. Well, you get Kirk. that through your damn Vulcan mind. <laughs> Ooh. I've never trusted oh, Klingons, Klingons, and I never will. Well, yeah, but he had but motivation. You, right. But, you know, you saw him strive to fulfill, to kind of help fulfill Gorkin's wish when he realizes it's sincere at right. the very end, when he meets with Azit Bor on the on Kinemer after they killed Odo and and Christopher Plummer. Yeah. <laughs> Which you don't see. You don't see in the in the digital version. In the original theatrical cut. Except right. this this Klingon dude being blasted out a window by Scotty. Right. Right. And you know what? Good move because who who would you want to go out and kill a sniper but a dude who actually, you know, was uh had fought at D Day. This is true. This is true. So. This is true. He lost his finger in that in that battle, right? He did, yeah. So, was it his left hand or right hand? I think it was his left hand. I think it was left ring finger, right? I think it was something like that. 
I was as I'm looking at my hand. Yeah. Because that'll that'll trigger it, right? So But so he was so there, you've got those, you've got O'Brien, who freely admitted his own prejudice earlier in his life because of his It's not you butt. I hate Cardassian. It's what you it's what you turned me into. It's oh, what I, I turned into because of you. Yeah, that was such a great scene. Oh, it's so good. It really was. Um, that 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 one statement right there has so much nuance. That's not about racism. That's about experience. It is. And trauma. It, right. It's not you. I hate Cardassian. I hate what I became because of you. Yes. And he still has a little bit of prejudice, though. Like he kind of. Oh, he does. He absolutely went, does. What in the episode where they he and Keiko were fostering Rugal, the the uh, the orphan Cardassian who was raised by Bajorans. Oh, I for I didn't. I I don't know if I saw that episode because I I don't recall anything about that. Yeah, that was a tough one too. You know, he was a a war orphan left behind, or at least they thought he was a war orphan. Turns out it was one of Ducat's, you know, schemes to discredit a political opponent. Mm. Tough. It was very tough. Oh, you know, Brian boy. had to face some of his underlying prejudices with this kid. This Cardassian hmm. kid who hated Cardassians because of what they did to Bajorans. Oh, very. But. Goddamn, Deep Space Nine was so far ahead of the goddamn game, man. It really was. And, you know, and while we've kind of strayed a little bit from it, Vulcan, and pulling it back, Vulcans, when they, in the Forge episodes on Vulcan, where they rediscover the Kershara, you know, mm -hmm. and the, and Surik's writings, and it, it, like, transformed the society. They started yes. becoming a little bit more pacifistic and trying to go more towards pure logic. And, but in many ways, the original, like the Cyrenites, the people who were trying to get back to the original teachings of Surik, were kind of considered religious extremists. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But, and but looked then, down upon. But then, in, in kind of like how. Once, once a Roman emperor kind of decided he wanted to be Christian, then the Roman Empire became mm. Christian, and that kind of led to the mass spreading of Christianity. It's kind of happened the same way with the true teachings of Sirach and going right into it. I thought it was fascinating. Oh yeah, it 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 it, it turned the Vulcan culture became it more what we were starting to see in the original series and into the next generation with the Vulcan species. But in some ways it was very much like a, a religion that became the underlying, you know, the overarching culture. So wait, do you feel like that Vulcan culture was corrupted by a religion, a religious pursuit of logic, and that Surak brought them back to the light of no, logic. He or... was the, he, his teachings were the pursuit of pure logic. 
Right. They drifted away from his teachings. Into some that's kind of like religious dogma. Well, that's, well, they were more warlike and suspicious. Yeah. And as, as yeah, as they started coming back towards his teachings of pure logic, you know, that's when they dismantled the high command and started mm-hmm. tearing down the fleet, which of course was a bit of a kick in the nuts when it came to fighting the Romulans, but it is what it is. You know, that, that, but that was almost like an entire, it could, you know, f- philosophical change, but it also could be seen as a religious awakening. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, you only started to see these big shifts with religion after Gene died. Right. With, and the most, the most explicit version of human religion that we saw, which could technically not, B religion was the Christmas scene in Star Trek Generations. There was one other overt mention of Christmas, Dagger of the Mind. They had a Christmas party on the Enterprise. Dagger of the Mind. Wait, in the TOS? In TOS. Dagger of the Mind, huh? I want to say it was that. But they mentioned it. They didn't show it, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Dagger of the Mind. Which which season? I believe it was season one. Okay, so they're still finding their footing. And I'll grant you that the writers group, you know, fresh off of World War II, trying to figure out how religion works in, in a world post-World War II. Psychiatrist chopped into maximum security penal... Experiment some mind control and mind melt to always save them. So wait a minute, they should they talk about do they talk about the Christmas party or do they show it? They talk about it. Okay, so they talk about it. Okay, which which is still in line with the the fact that they show Christmas in Star Trek Generations. And again, show, as we've talked about, it could be a secular the secular version of, of Christmas, not the celebration of Christ being born, which, you know, masterfully done by the Romans again by incorporating paganistic rituals with the new, you know, the new up and coming religion of Christianity. Mm-hmm. So, and 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 Christmas can be absolutely celebrated, um, not sectarily, but secularly secularly thank you words are failing me um and i did a whole podcast on entwined about the secular version of christmas which actually Mm -hmm. you might you might like i don't know if you heard it you probably didn't no one did so (laughs) no one in my family did hey so and i remember this scene in Devil's Due, Data, who had periodically been doing Shakespeare plays on the holodeck. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was doing Scrooge, a Christmas Carol. Yes, that, but that's a cultural that's a cultural reference. That's right. not necessarily it, it, a celebration. True. And, of course, given the huge love of English literature by 
Captain Picard. It's not a surprise that he didn't that that might have made it. But still, hmm. very there is a little bit of tangential relation of of Christmas. You know, there's there's very few true mentions of holidays, uh, at least in, in Christmas or in, in Star Trek. Um, in in their uh, non-canon beta books, the beta canon books, the uh, Corps of Engineers series, they had a an engineering ship, the Da Vinci, whose captain... Yeah. Gold uh, was Jewish. Ah, practicing Jewish, uh, and so I think David Gold was his name. But needless to say, it it, it brought up in a couple of the books that he was, you know, <coughs> practicing. Yes, he and so he items did. like that were were brought up in some beta canon here and there. Right. Which I like that idea. I, I, I liked seeing that in some beta canon books. Um, you know, which series that I'm looking forward to that absolutely destroyed religion? What? The Orville? The Orville. <laughs> well, as we can they, tell, Seth MacFarlane is anti-organized religion. Oh, absolutely. And then he and he went so far as to say and which triggered me, by the way, and I'm not a very pious person at all. But um, <laughs> what was it as as alien races get more technologically advanced, they start to lose their religions uh, because they, quote unquote, know better. But this one alien that's species, me in the corner. Yeah, <laughs> that's me in the spotlight, losing my religion. <laughs> Little REM for you. Yep. But w- what was the what was the species? The crack, not the craglin. The it was the craw, the crate, not the crav. The krill. The krill. Thank you. The krill are extremely religious, which which the Orville Space Union was taken off guard about. Like they 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 were they're like whoa they're religious why because this is different and it, was it Avis is their god or or their prophet or whatnot? It's also their rental car company. Well, yeah, I mean, isn't Avis another term for? Wasn't Avis the one with the wing, wings on his ankles? Hermes. Hermes. Wait, Hermes was the Messenger. Greek version. Of Avis. I am Googling this. I'm, well, Googling well, it. I'm gonna Google it because while he's Googling to... himself. Uh yes. Was Avis. You know, Seth McFarland, very anti religion. Orville, it, it was very much like Roddenberry early seasons of Next Gen that was basically looking down on religion now we're not saying that it's overly pious but how many holidays did we see celebrated in star trek well i saw captain picard day (laughs) right but you hear you hear about first contact day and yes all state days though all state religions all all, not religions all state holidays 
Yeah, like first contact day, and uh, I think they talked about Valentine's Day at one point. You may be getting it confused with the uh, time Patrick Stewart was on (laughs) Saturday Night Live. Oh my God, that was my birthday weekend, and I watched that with my parents, and that skit with him working at the erotic cakes store. Like, (laughs) oh my God. Well, anyway, getting back to it. I wanted to die. Uh, getting back to what I was talking about is you're right uh, you hear things about first contact day and basically like federation day which is like the founding of the federation anniversary or whatever mm-hmm. so you've, you've heard a little bit about that obviously you've heard about the Klingons day of honor yep. you hear about the what Peldor Joy, whatever that festival is, for the Bajorans. Yeah, yeah. And the Klingon Afterlife and Stobacor for the Warriors and I, I Brethor for the Dishonored. Again, it's it's all alien centered, not human centered in any way. Because I again, you hit it on the head. I think it's the writers that just didn't want to deal with that level on the human side twice though picard has been faced with these kinds of things in the nexus where he's having christmas and then when he supposedly dies in tapestry and he's like welcome to the afternoon like john luke you're dead yep <laughs> like you are not god it's like yeah oh. yeah <laughs> i'm god <laughs> As opposed to what Q squared or whatever that book was by Peter David, where, where Q where Q talks about talking to God, but he says, but but they they wrote it G hyphen D yeah. because you can't say the name, which actually was delightfully insightful by Peter David. So, <laughs> well, and Lord knows that. You know, there was a lot of subtext in his writing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But we, you know, another franchise that really hammered religion and sci-fi, probably the most of all of them would be what? Oh, you're going to put me on the spot. I was waiting for you to just say it. Alistar. Uh... Oh, well, yeah, okay, by the God, yeah, uh, of course, yeah. So say we all. <laughs> so say we all, indeed. But the whole underlying quest for Earth, which, you know, Adama originally was like, well, let's pull this out of the storybook here and just yeah. give some people some false hope so we can get the fuck out of here. You're correct. <laughs> they're like, she's like, they're going to hate you for this. He's like, yeah, but <laughs> at least they'll live, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, then Starbuck becomes like the the chosen one to help them guide no, them. Earth. She doesn't. She's just no. Starbuck's dead, and it's just right. an angel. Angel. It's an angel that 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 guides them. It's not Starbuck. Starbuck died. Well, she's she's Gandalf the White. She comes back. <laughs> I suppose you could interpret that. I was I read that the best way to watch Battlestar Galactica. And I told this to a friend. Yes, I told this to a friend who just discovered it last year. 
Uh, the best way to view it is to understand that humanity is in the middle of a battle between heaven and hell. And that's the concept of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. And you're and Starbuck is a bit more old school avenging angel kind of. Oh my god, yeah. Not not exactly your uh you know, kiss the puppies and you know <laughs> immaculate reception uh, conception no. type angel. <laughs> She's more of the stab Satan in the face with a rusty sword. Yes. Didn't Ronald D. Moore write Star Trek Generations? Possibly. I think he did. Because then he went on later on to go do Battlestar Galactica. Hmm. And now we have to look this up. Okay. So. We have several of these major shows basically have space Jesus. Yes. And no real Jesus. <laughs> you have... Ben Cisco. Uh-huh. Not much real Jesus there. You have no. John Sheridan. A lot of Jesus in there. They Sheridan. both had beards. Yeah. You're right. He, you're right. You're right. He was kind of like alien space Jesus. <laughs> both both he and Cisco were both alien space Jesus. You're right. You're right. All right Ronald got, D. Moore did write for Generations, by the way. You've got so, Brandon Bragg. Where they're trying to find out who is Space Jesus. Both sides. And it turns out it's Baltar. <laughs> <laughs> no, he never died. Um, he's just got the long hair. Yeah. Who did yeah. die? Who did die? Was there was there someone who died for the for the sins and came back? No, right? Well, they weren't that did. overt with that. I guess Starbuck. And she guided them. She did. She helped guide them back to Earth. I guess she was Space Jesus. I guess she, she was Space Jesus. Oh she my rose God. again on the third day. She, well, the third episode, maybe. But yeah, <laughs> after her death. But yeah. Huh. That's interesting. That's the show that keeps on giving, isn't it? So, who else is Space Jesus? Maybe Luke Skywalker, or maybe Yoda, Ray. What? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, Star Wars is so convoluted. It. I mean, anyone uh, who's chosen one, anyone who's chosen one, can be considered the Jesus. How about the Temple of the Wills? Oh, absolutely. And one with the force, the force is with me. Right. Yeah. Was that the Temple of the Wills? Yeah, in Jeddah. Okay. Which, by the way, I've been to the uh, Earth city of Jeddah. It's also in the desert. Yeah. It's also old, but it is by the sea. I'm waiting for something else. No, just no Death Star there. Oh, okay, no Death Star. No, no, not not there, a lot of death. There was a building <laughs> that looked as suspiciously like Stark Tower in Jeddah, though. <laughs> Interesting. Which is what it we called it. Platform out there too. Yeah, it was really? a rotating. It was a rotating restaurant, but instead of being on the top and rotating, it was like 
out they had like a that. spire out. It, it was yeah, very strange. Huh. But art imitating anyway, life, imitating art. Yeah. Anyway, so you do get the the religious thing. Oh well, God knows how much they hammered Man of Steel for Space Jesus Superman. Superman was always meant to be an allegory for for Jesus. He was written. Actually, he was written by a Jewish man, wasn't he? They all were. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, Kal-El, uh, for, for God. I mean, it was it was all there from the very beginning. So I, I would have played that up, too, if I was uh, the director of Man of Steel. And, and Brian Singer did it, too. I don't want to be Brian Singer. But if I was the director for... <laughs> if I was the director for... Because I'm not Brian Singer. Um... Let's be clear. I'm going to distance myself from that one. Um, but if I wanted, if I was the director of Superman Returns, I would have done the same Messiah Complex too, because that's what Superman is. He's the man that gives everything and then sacrifices everything and then somehow lives every time. Well, you know, we we've seen a lot in science fiction about religion, not just allegories for our own religion, but you know. Created religions. Uh, from what I was able to tell from Stargate, I mean, it was very similar to the whole Vorlon thing. Is like aliens come in and we think they're gods. So, you yeah, know, you know, the fun part about Stargate, the owls of Gahul come in there and kidnap humans and bring them all over the place. Yes, you're right, and and you know, the fun part about Stargate was. It takes place in the quote-unquote the real world. Teal'c actually mentions that he read the entirety of the Bible, and he references the Bible once. And um, O'Neill goes to him, wait, you read the Bible? Of course, O'Neill. I read all of your, your planet's sacred texts. Would you not do the same thing in my place? And O'Neill goes, right. <laughs> like, but he read the Koran. He read the Torah. He read uh, Teal'c did this. He and he read the Bible, like and other other assorted items. But he made they made a point to say those three items, which is an interesting insight to this alien guy wanting to learn more about this planet's religion, the planet where all of humanity came from. In this in this galaxy, by the way, because humanity also sprung up in other galaxies separately. Well, you know, like Star Wars. Yes, like Star Wars. Like Star Wars. Do you feel like we're beating a dead horse now at this point? I feel, no, I feel no. Like... I think the horse is still alive, but begging for mercy. Yeah, I think I think it's begging for mercy here. Look, when, when it boils down to it, obviously, and particularly when it comes to Star Trek, there was definitely, an, I, if not an anti-religion... Bent. There was definitely a humanity would grow beyond all of these things that cause problems in the these past. These horrors right? that these writers have seen. Maybe. And maybe, you know, the, the, and we see how people of faith can be kind of looked at sideways nowadays uh, by the media and in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think it there is room for both. 
other science, some science fiction shows, even Star Trek shows have shown that there's room for both. Well, and, and that's the thing about Star Trek is they never actually say religion is bad. No, they just beat you over the head with the they implications. Sh- they do. They do. They don't say eradicate religion. <laughs> they don't overly say that. <clears throat> and Babylon 5 openly embraced religion. You know, it's just it's an interesting concept. Well, that. That that we don't know which direction humanity is going and which, you know, which role that religion plays in it. Right. I guess I guess I guess that would be an interpretation. And maybe you do see a blurring of religions in the future. Maybe you see them fading. You know, uh, who knows? Maybe. Maybe we all just get along. I mean. Well, that you know, that's the funny part because, and I'll say this: secularism could be also construed as a form of religion, which you know is also. And, and who in Star Trek brought that up? Oh God, you're going to quiz me again, and I'm not going to give you the right answer. In in the episode, and I'm trying to remember what it was when, Wynn is trying to shut down the school on Deep Space Nine. Because they were teaching science to the Bajoran kids. Mm. I remember seeing that episode so young. And (laughs) Keiko basically says, she's saying to Cisco, she's like, I'm just trying to teach pure science. Basically, it's like, and then Kira looks at her and basically says, well, some people might see that as a religion too. Yeah. Yeah. And and in many ways, this pure science and exploration thing has kind of become the Federation's religion. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, it's not a bad thing to want to explore. But, you know, if we're supposed to respect other people's cultures, which they say the Federation does, then you need to be able to respect their other their religion if that is part of their culture. I got a I got a good bow tie or a button to put on this one. The Vulcans, what's their main symbol? Infinite diversity through infinite combinations. And they got the I a did. circle and a triangle meeting in the middle where the diamond forms, the ideal form. You have two very different situations and you find a balance. To get that diamond. Because you never have a pure balance with just one thing or the other. Right? Logic is the beginning of wisdom, Lieutenant. All right. I think we solved all the religious crises in the world. Right here. <laughs> what? Am I so naive to think that? <laughs> I'll drop you off in Baghdad or Kabul and let you... You're being very goddamn quiet about this. (laughs) (laughs) Pardon me. Um, All right, I think the horse is crying for mercy now. So... (laughs) But still, in light of it, have, have they celebrated holidays in Star Trek? Sure. 
Have they celebrated Star Holidays in others, such as Battlestar, or, or maybe. We don't really see much on Battlestar as far as holidays, but you do see it in Babylon 5, which, of course, it's just... They have shown these parts of our culture going forward into the 23rd century. Yes. In theirs, so... Is there are is there religion? Of course. Are there holidays? Sure. Would there would it be really kind of interesting to see a kick ass Christmas episode of a Star Trek series? Damn right. <laughs> at at Quarks. Aww. Aww. And someone playing the piano. Joy to the world. <laughs> no. Did I go too far? I went Death too far. for the opposition from what? Death... <laughs> okay, that's better. That's better. Uh, all right. Well, I think that this is a good stopping off point. As do I, my friend. And uh, <laughs> while we are unlikely to record again before New Year's, I must say to all of you who celebrate religious holidays or even secular holidays at this time of year. I wish you a very happy holidays. I hope everybody is safe. I hope everybody is, uh, you know, has a wonderful time with friends and family. I hope everybody gives uh, COVID and all of its little offshoots the middle finger. You come out strong <laughs> after New Year's. And I too have wished my my friends a happy Hanukkah. And I wish to give my wishes of, of happy uh, New Year's and a Merry Christmas to everyone. And this has been a very fun and exciting first year for us. An idea spawned by DT, the major here, which I wholeheartedly uh, fully thank for reaching out to me. While I'm driving to Tahoe with my family going, I got an idea <laughs> and I have, to, I have another 45 minutes before I can actually respond. <laughs> hey, look, man, you're the one who wanted to go see them hoes. <laughs> yes, with my family in the car. Um, <laughs> Tahoe, I got it. I got it. Dude, I, I literally it. was driving behind the car a couple of weeks ago. That's license plate said my hoe. Really? And it was a Tahoe, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, and probably he was older than us, right? She was driving. Oh, my God! <laughs> All right, well, I hope she has a Merry Christmas. <laughs> All right, folks, that's the ultimate end. Until next time, you guys keep dreaming. You have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll see you on the other side. So long, everyone. Yep, this is DT Catman. I reiterate everything I said earlier. See you on the high ground on the other side of the new year. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions. Produced by DT Cavman and PS McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. 
For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosescifikais.com for past episode information.